Hey everybody, welcome to the Depot Cast for Friday, March 19th, 2021. Uh, I'm Mike, way up north is Mackenzie. Hello, hello. And uh, we're going to talk about some stuff today. We just sort of decided that today would be Weird Railroad Story Day. Uh, and then we we gave each other no uh, direction <laughs> for how to accomplish this. So, uh, Mackenzie, you found... I found what's called the Gurdon Light. You found ghost stories. <laughs> and uh, I found I found something different. And I'll, I guess we'll talk about uh, what I found here shortly. Uh, and it wasn't suitable. So <laughs> I had to find a second thing. Um, so uh, but it's an opportunity to, to be kind of serious. And uh, when I was looking, what I was looking for was like a like a like a bulletin board comment thread of weird stories. So I, you know, went to where you would find the weirdest stories on the Internet, read it. Uh, and boy, did I find some weird stories. Uh, but the reason I can't share any of them is because 100 percent of them, all of them are either horribly filthy and not suitable to be played on a clean podcast that children listen to. Um, or they deal specifically about people who decided to jump in front of trains. Uh, so I don't want to tell those types of stories. I don't think that's appropriate and we don't want to glorify anybody who makes that decision. Uh, but, uh, what I would like to say instead is, uh, if you are in trouble and you need help, uh, do not jump in front of a train. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-8255, which is TALK, 1-800-273-TALK. Uh, please, please, please do not jump in front of a train if you're thinking about ending it because uh, it's a real bad way to go. Uh, a lot of people survive their attempt, and it's not great. Uh, you also really end up messing with the lives of the people who had no choice but to hit you because trains can't stop. Uh, so instead of telling you a bunch of those stories, I'm just going to tell you not to do that. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. Uh, we'll move on to the ghost story that Mackenzie has here, uh, which uh, because it's a ghost story, uh, you can you you can very clearly believe that it's you know for entertainment purposes only uh depending on how you feel about ghosts you may or may not believe in how this goes but uh i'm gonna let mackenzie tell her story uh before i get into mine i'll, I'll close this week so mackenzie what do you what's your story what, what'd you find all right so this story is called the Gurdon light and the Gurdon light is a mystery light located near railroad tracks in a wooded area of Gurdon, arkansas it is the subject of local folklore folklore and has been featured in local media and on unsolved mysteries and mysteries at the museum so those are two pretty popular tv shows yep the tracks are no longer in use and the rails at least partially removed and covered but it remains one of the most popular halloween attractions in the area the light has been described with various colors ranging from blue green white to orange and has been described as bobbing around its exact location is said to vary, and witnesses have described it appearing at various times of the day or of the night. So that's a little bit of the background of this light that people are saying that they are seeing in really? Gurdon Arc. They see it during the day. Which is kind of strange, because yeah, I don't know like, how people do that. How often do you hear a ghost story that is like, oh yeah, they totally see this light during the day, so 
All right, you've got my attention. (laughs) (laughs) The folklore part of it, like the aspect of it, um, has two kind of different stories. And one of them is that the light originates from a lantern of a railroad worker who was killed when he accidentally fell into the pathway of the train. So that um, it says that he was injured very badly and that he returns back to the tracks to um, just kind of be where he was when he passed away and that he is using the light to look around. So in another variation, the light is a lantern carried by railroad foreman Will McLean, who was killed in the vicinity during a confrontation with one of his workers, Louis McBride, in 1931. So McLean believed that McBride was the one who removed the spikes from a section of track, causing a freight train to derail in an attempt to derail the Sunshine Special passenger train. Some sources say the confrontation was about how many workers McBride was allowed to work due to the Great Depression. McBride confessed to the murder and was executed by electrocution. Whoa. So, now... Does your story give you any insight as to why he would have intentionally derailed the train? Like, was he trying to rob it? I'm not actually certain, but let's see. There's another article right here. That just mentioned that he would... What I'm feeling is, like, if you're trying to derail a special train, uh, Mm -hmm. it probably has something on it that you want. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if this is, like, Great Depression era, people get desperate, and they do stuff like that, so... Yeah. I mean, if it had anything on it, it's probably better than nothing. Yep. Unless it's, like, a a train full of, like, molasses or something. Right. (laughs) Now you've wrecked the train, and it's full of molasses. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> all that work. How? Hey, who's the guy that wrecked the train? I don't know. Let's look for all the people covered in molasses in a 10-mile radius. So now discussing causes. So these are like actual reasons as to why it might be seen. Okay. Um, so the lights are believed by some to be seen um, by passing cars on the highway in the distance which looks like small floating lights that flash off in the distance. Yep. That's, that's a good, um, that's a good p- potential reason. That's for a that. pretty good one. Especially if there's trees or something, which I don't know if there is, but yeah. there is. And then others believe that it is caused by electricity um, from the constant stress that the area's underground quartz crystals are under. So Gurdon, Arkansas, sits above large amounts of quartz crystals okay. um, and a fault line. So, that's another little kind of explanation that they have for it. So when they rub together, they create some sort of a spark. They must. I, you know, I'm not a geologist, so I, I don't know. While you're telling that story, I'm going to look up <laughs> quartz. So, yeah, that's pretty much the essence of the story and what's going on with it. Um, so, of course, it's popular during Halloween for the, you know, ghost aspect of it. But besides that, it's pretty much just explained as lights that are possibly from the highway. Oh, check this out. Okay, I looked it up. Uh, quartz is triboluminescent, emitting light when rubbed together. Uh, one of the things that you uh, also is uh, triboluminescent is wintergreen lifesavers, which we have lots and lots of in our library. <laughs> in our in our giant candy jar uh because wintergreen oil which is methyl uh salis salis sali oh man s-a-l-i-c-y-l-a-t-e salicylate salicylate Mm. is fluorescent and converts ultraviolet light into blue light uh 
So, oh, there. Uh, I so once again, I looked up Wikipedia, the world's greatest website, and if you click on it, it actually shows a video of somebody smashing two pieces of quartz together. And okay, so now I'm watching a video while live on the show. Uh, he is <laughs> smacking. Oh, he's rubbing them together like flint, and they are in fact sparking. Yeah, that's cool. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's like if that uh, is something that could start a fire, but I, uh, yeah, huh, very interesting. Uh, very interesting. But apparently, there's a lot of minerals that do that. Um, also, Scotch tape will do that. The, uh, in 1953, Soviet scientists observed that unpeeling a roll of tape in a vacuum produced X-rays. What? Yeah. We're we're way off now. Like we're we've completely completely just, gone off topic. But uh okay. So anyway, what you were saying about the quartz being like sort of like a natural area for a lot of quartz, that mm-hmm. if it's on a fault line, there's gonna be a lot of rock rubbing around on rock and you would see some of that stuff somewhere. Uh that would be interesting. Like I wonder what it does while it, when it's underground. Does does is tribal luminescence something that works when there's uh, when you're underground? But uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, we got people standing outside the library chatting. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go on. <laughs> derail derail over. Yeah. So. That's basically all I have for my little story over here. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the the best thing about a good ghost story is that there's a lot of different avenues you can take to how, like, to get to the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for, for, like, floating lights that are a variety of colors, um, quartz uh, sparks in a variety of colors. Mm-hmm. And if it's during the day, like during a fault line, you might actually see that. So there's there's a couple of really cool explanations for that. And then the headlights one is obvious, like at night. And if you're mm-hmm. kind of lower than the road is, you'll see that sort of, or you're higher. Like if you're not level with with the area that you're seeing the lights come from, anything could look like anything. So Interestingly uh, enough, I have found another little paragraph about the light. Go for and it. <laughs> is, um the source is the uh, encyclopedia of arkansas.net. So that, take that with what you yeah. will. Um now, it says that Gurdon is located approximately 85 miles south of Little Rock, Arkansas, on Interstate 30, just east of the interstate on Highway 67. Okay. So, I can tell you a little bit of the location. But, um, the light appears along a stretch of railroad tracks outside of the town. Um, some people believe that the light originates from the reflection of headlights of cars off of Interstate 30. So, that's kind of what we're talking about with like the reflection. Highway. So, like, if it's, like, fresh <laughs> asphalt... Or if it's particularly mm-hmm. hot outside, you know how you see like waves coming off the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So this says, however, the site is more than two miles away from the highway. And people began seeing the lights decades before Interstate 30 was built in the 1970s. Huh. So other another uh, explanation for this is that swamp gas creates the light. Although always, the- always swamp gas. It's always swamp gas. <laughs> Every every and, phenomenon can be explained by either a weather a weather balloon or a swept gas. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy thing to blame it on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. But, um, pretty much sums it up for that. Very cool. Uh, 
what I found uh, this week, other than the depressing thing, uh, mm-hmm. was um, a big list of like uh, unusual and beautiful train routes out in the world. So this isn't like Michigan related at all, much like the other story, which was in Arkansas. Um, so there's a list here and uh, I'm going to hand off a couple of them. The first one is in Makelong Market Railway in Thailand. Uh, one of the most unusual and inconvenient train routes is one that goes directly through a market in Thailand. The market is located directly on train tracks, which must be quite the hassle for shopkeepers. Several times a day, the shopkeepers must quickly pack up their produce and pull back their canopies to let the train pass, uh, as it is incredibly narrow. Uh, I'm looking at a photo of it. It is uh, a couple people holding sticks that have their canopies, uh, and the train is going so close to where they are that what they've done is they've taken their produce and just laid it flat along the side of the rail, and the train passes over it. So... (laughs) Uh, it's it's like putting a it, what they did was like they took a, a rail line and they put it in an alley is what it looks like mm-hmm. or they built it around this line for whatever reason and uh, man when the train comes through they all just have to get up and move like think about putting your far- think about if Duran's farmer's market was like on a train line <laughs> right <laughs> what a terrible idea but um, I know that the city centers in uh, like Southeast Asia in particular are super, super narrow. Like their city centers are very, very packed. So uh, you've just find room where you can. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, once the train has passed by, the market resumes as it was before. Uh, that that kind of reminds me, like, do you ever play like uh, street hockey as a kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like car, and then you have to pull all your stuff out of the street and let the car go through. And then yeah. Like, yep, game on. You just put it all back out there and keep playing. That's kind of what that reminds me of, except for uh, railway. <laughs> <laughs> dangerous uh, game. Yeah, uh, that is. Yeah, that is incredibly dangerous. You go down to the market to get some like lettuce or whatever, and then you're confronted by a train coming down the middle of the street. Um, okay, so this one is in Ukraine, uh, located near the town of Kleven. This luscious green tunnel is something straight out of a movie. Measuring 1.8 miles long, the un- unusual ru- uh, rate. Man, I can't talk today. The unusual rail route in Eastern Europe shows a stunning example of what happens when nature is left to grow around man-made infrastructure. The unique passageway is becoming an enchanting spot for lovers' promises. So next time you're planning a trip for your significant other, book a cheap flight to Ukraine and travel through the tunnel of love. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's like tree line that has been over years and years and years of trains like kind of smashing through anything that's in its way built a real tunnel. Everything is built straight up into the, in the shape of a rail tunnel. Uh, and it's all green. That's very cool. Uh, and then here's one that you'll like the Alaska, the Alaska railroad. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. The sightseeing opportunities on this rail route prove that it is no ordinary train journey. Sit back and relax while you travel through the rugged yet beautiful territory in Alaska. Double decker dome cars allow passengers to take in sights from many gorgeous locations you are able to step out onto an outdoor balcony or chill out on the upper level's interior space. From mid-May through mid-September, the railroad runs between Anchorage and Fairbanks, stopping at Wasilla, uh, Talkeetna, and Denali National Park. Uh, that does sound incredibly gorgeous. Like, I don't know an awful lot about Alaska, but I do know that uh, basically anywhere you go in it, you're looking at something monumental and gorgeous and, and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. So, uh can you confirm? Is that true? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So you could probably also imagine, because you were from Fairbanks, right? Yes. Fairbanks and Anchorage. 
uh, hopping a train to Anchorage and just like looking at the scenery. That would yeah, be, go through the alley, be beautiful. Yeah, uh, one of the pictures that they show here with it is is one of the, is the mountains in Denali National Park with a, just a big train line that kind of goes along the side of it. So yeah, that would be cool. Um, so uh, the next one on this list is the Golden Eagle Trans Siberian Express. First of all, it's the longest train journey in the world, uh, and it is six thousand miles, two continents, and eight time zones long. <laughs> Uh, oh my god yeah trans siberia uh that's how that's how long it is not not exactly your average train journey uh this is an unusual train that you can enjoy in style uh plush red velvet seats champagne and tvs and individual rail cars but the natural views through siberia uh is uh makes it so you would never even want to turn on the tv uh yeah uh the the trans siberian express is one of those like bucket list trains that people get on because it takes so long to get across it um, mm-hmm. it's like you take a two week vacation and you spend the entire time on this train. That's just through the North of Russia and all that stuff. That's, I've heard a lot about that. Maybe say maybe in a different episode, we'll, uh, actually like look up the full story of the trans Siberian express and tell that. Cause that would be pretty cool. Um, so dig that one too. And then the last one is the, uh, Hiram Bingham luxury train, uh, named for the explorer who discovered Machu Picchu in Peru. This luxury train takes you on a stunning ride from the city of Cusco uh, to the 15th century Inca site. The train takes you through scenery of outstanding beauty, a comfortable and luxurious way to travel to Machu Picchu. The, the journey unfolds via the Urubamba River Valley with luscious views of llamas and shepherds. Uh, have you ever seen a llama? Uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, llamas. Yeah, I think so. They spit. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah, but, but like, I've never been. like I think al- alpaca is a llama, is it not? I don't know. I've seen an alpaca. Alpaca. We're looking it up. Oh, okay. The alpaca is similar to and often confused with the llama. <laughs> uh, however, alpacas are noticeably smaller than llamas. Uh, the two animals are closely related and can be successfully crossbred. All right, well, let's look up a llama then. So uh, what happens if they get crossbred? What do they produce? A llama? A, a lapaca? I don't know. It doesn't. And a llama? <laughs> no, like, you know how, like, when you breed a lion and a tiger, you create a liger or a tigon? Yeah. Uh, they would probably have a specific name for the the animal that is bred as a result of an alpaca and a llama. Uh, I don't remember. I'm also not going to spend a massive amount of time uh, researching, <laughs> researching llamas on our railroad podcast. Uh, you know, it's just, it's topic related. Kind of. Um, well, you know what? I am done talking about the luxury train. So whatever, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about llamas then. Uh, it's widely used as a meat and pack animal in uh, Andean culture since the pre-Columbian era. They're very social animals. They live as a, as a herd. Their wool is very soft. Uh, Llamas can learn simple tasks after a few repetitions. When using a pack, they can carry about 30% of their body weight for uh, eight miles. Um, The name llama uh, was adopted by European settlers from the native Peruvians. Okay, let's see. Uh, Looking at stuff. 
there, uh, so the name for a baby llama or alpaca is a cria, which is Spanish for baby. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Uh, okay. Llama and alpaca mix. A huarizo huarizo is a cross between a male llama and a female alpaca. Um, It is the most it is the most common hybrid between South American camelids. Uh, Yeah, huarizo. Uh, Huh. Interesting. Learn Uh, a lot. It appears they are unable to produce. Like huarizo are sterile in the wild. but genetic research conducted at the University of Minnesota suggests that it may be possible to preserve fertility with minimal genetic modification. That's very, very interesting. Uh, you know, so it's similar to like a mule, right? That it's between a horse and a donkey that are also unable to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the and, mule can't be re- reproduced. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Um, in llamas and in uh, alpacas and stuff are actually part of the gen- uh, general family tree that is uh, the same as the camel. Yeah, they're part of the camelid family. Uh, and uh, if you would look at if you look at like how um, how like continental drift happened, you know how like Pangaea became our current continents. Mm-hmm. That explains why the camelids are in both South America, South America, and like Asia and Africa. And stuff. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a good one, right? See, we've learned a lot today on our podcast about the railroad. <laughs> we got off track a little bit, but it was all relevant in the end. Every time we do an episode that has nothing to do with the railroad, it makes me slightly happier. Uh, <laughs> that because I love just going off track. Pun intended. I intended that pun. Um. So once again, I'm going to close with the serious stuff. Uh, if you are feeling like you want to check out and you're thinking about doing it on the railroad, please don't, please don't do that. Please don't traumatize the people who, who hit you. Uh, please don't make your whole family sad. Please don't make your friends sad. There's a phone number you can call. Please call 1-800-273-TALK, which is eight one 1-800-273-8255. Uh, and remember to please, please, please stay safe on the railroad tracks. Uh, because it turns out that uh, all of the weird stories that we found from railroad engineers involve that. And I would prefer to not have to tell those stories. So uh, what's going on in uh, up north for you today? Like, what do you have going on? I know tomorrow is a busy day for you. Uh, yeah, tomorrow's a busy day. Um, but today doesn't um, really have a whole lot left. I have the student government tonight and um, a lot of homework. So that's pretty much still on pace to come home toward the end of April. Is that the case? Yep. Yep. That's cool. what it's looking for. That's good. Because uh, we'll, we'll need you back. So. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there for whatever you guys need. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was the podcast. It's kind of a short one today. We're just hitting like 24 minutes, which is fine. We don't always have to do 40 minutes. And in fact, some people probably would prefer that we don't talk as long as we do. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of our journey and, and enjoying what we do and not being too mean when you don't like what we do because we're kind of just doing it. Like, we're just kind of learning as we go, as always. Uh, mm-hmm. This was episode 50. 
which means we have two more to go to hit our one year mark. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot believe, like I say, I think we say this a lot on this show, but I cannot believe we've made it this far with this show. <laughs> either. I'm very surprised and impressed by it. So we yay can, us. Yeah. Yay us. We did it. Um, so, okay. So that was the podcast for the 19th of March, 2021. Uh, that's Mackenzie over there. Thank you for having me. And I'm Mike over here and uh, we'll see you later.